the perseverance of the saints. Um, following last week's of good works, um, we, we are still kind of stuck in, um, not stuck in, we are still in um, the order of salvation. God's good news for sinners like you and me, um, that God's grace is stronger than all of our sin. Um, and so, I'm going to go ahead and start off with prayer, and then we're, we're going to jump right into chapter 17 of the Confession of Faith. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that we are a people of your word. May we study it. May we pray it. May we memorize it. Through it, may you transform us into your people. Father, give us eyes to see who you are and who you have created us to be. Image bearers. Recreated by the water and the word. Into sons and daughters of the living God. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Transform our minds this morning. Call us to repentance where repentance is needed. Call us to holiness. To follow after you. To love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. Father, we ask this relying upon your grace alone. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Of perseverance of the saints. There is a handout in the back. Um, on the handout, I don't have one. Um, and so I might jump all over the place. I, I, I try to organize it. On the handout, I have for you um, the, the three paragraphs. So it's, there's just three paragraphs in chapter 17 um, on the perseverance of the saints. And you'll notice at the bottom there's footnotes of scriptures. The footnotes in the scriptures are the footnotes that are given in... Oh, thanks. Um, they are the footnotes that the confession gives themselves. The scriptures that we're going to walk through are the scriptures that I, I'm using. And I think some of, most of them are the same. Um, but sometimes my mind jumps kind of to somewhere else. And so we're going to spend a lot of time in the scriptures. So... Um, if you guys want to start finding scripture, as you see, I want to ask everyone to, I'm going to ask all the scripture passages to be read, but not the footnotes. That's, that's kind of my point. Um, we're not going to read the footnote passages. We're going to read the passages um, that are in the handout. And so what, um, if I were to try to summarize what chapter 17 of the confession is trying to do, it's trying to answer the question, of who are we really? Who are we? Because this is how the confession begins. They, so the church, saints, the people of God, they whom God hath accepted in his beloved, effectually called and sanctified by his spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but shall certainly Preserve therein to the end and to be eternally saved. They are accepted in his beloved. This is imagery that I was actually kind of surprised. And I, I would think actually if the Westminster Confession, every time they hinted at scripture and footnoted it, then it would be just exponentially larger. 
accepted in his beloved. That's Ephesians 1, 6 language. In his beloved. They have been effectually called. So we looked at effectual calling back in Westminster chapter 10, verse 1. This is what effectual calling is. All those God predestined unto life, he called by his word and spirit out of sin, out of their being in Adam and death, He called them out of that, just as he called Lazarus out from the dead, which they were by nature, to grace and salvation, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. This is what we call illumination. The Spirit illumined their minds so that they might see and understand the things of God, taking away their hearts of stone, expiation, taking away from them their sin, as was promised in Ezekiel 11 and 36, and giving unto them flesh, renewing their wills by his almighty power, determining them to that which is good and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ. That that is what effectual calling is. And so perseverance is, is based upon our effectual calling. The wonderful work of God of calling us out of our sin and death, calling us to himself and giving us new life. We have been vivified, as the Puritans would say. But that's not where the confession stops. We are accepted in the beloved through our effectual calling and sanctified. Westminster Confession 13.1, those who are effectually called and regenerated have a new heart and a new spirit created in them, are further sanctified really and personally by his word and spirit dwelling within them. So both in Westminster chapter 10, Westminster chapter 13, and Westminster chapter 17, we are completely dependent upon the spirit himself and the word of God to bring life to wretched sinners like us. We are done this, how? By his spirit. We are accepted by God in his beloved and by his spirit. Who are we? We are a people redeemed by the Holy Trinity. Right? We are accepted by God in the beloved and by the spirit. Our salvation from beginning to end is based on the person of the Holy Trinity. Upon his good news, the triune God has saved us, and the promises of Scripture are he will never let us go. Why would we ever believe that he who planned our salvation from before the foundations of the world would somehow let us slip through his fingers at the end. So, my il- one illustration for the day. I'm a very average ping pong player. Uh, I'm not as good as Blake. Being better than our youth group doesn't mean anything. I'm, I'm, just, a better than, I'm just an average ping pong player. But the, the fact of my ping pong playing actually is the first ten points, I'm really, really good. But for some reason in my ping pong playing, my end game is terrible. 
I start making mistakes, and what happens is I make one mistake, which leads to another mistake, which leads to another mistake, and then the game is over, right? For some reason, I always fall apart at the end. For most of us, the way that I play ping pong is the way that we view salvation. We always talk about being predestined, being elected, being justified, being adopted, as though the front end of our salvation is secure in God's eternal plan, but somehow he hands us the reins and we're supposed to get us ourselves the rest of the way through. But that's not what the scriptures teach. What the scriptures teach is that our salvation is totally and completely dependent, not on our end game, but on the power of God revealed in Christ. This is why we can look at, so this, who looked up Philippians w- chapter 1? David, read Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer for you, all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of So the day of Jesus Christ is the return of Christ. When Christ will come and consummate his kingdom, and all will be made new. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. That is a promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who are we? We are beloved who have been called. And we cannot be recalled. Not, not saying that we're being called again, but be recalled meaning we can't be taken back. So and read John 10, 28 to 29. Our salvation is is as secure as the Son being one with the Father. This is why our confession says they can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but shall be certainly preserved in it to the end and be eternally saved. But, our, scripture, but the, our confessions, nor do the scriptures ever teach a bare preservation. So oftentimes there's a discussion between perseverance or preservation. And I actually want to say that the, the scriptures and the confession teach both. But it's not a bare preservation as though somehow we are saved and then we are frozen. Right? I'm thinking of Star Wars and Han Solo and the, what is it called? The... Carbon freezing, right. We are not just sometimes how frozen, and then at the very end, we're going to be thawed out. We are not taken up in the spirit at conversion, but our salvation is a continual process that will experience its bumps and bruises. And this is where the third paragraph of this, of this chapter will go. But what, I want to, but what the first paragraph is talking about is that the end game is not dependent upon us. 
It's completely dependent on the saving power of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, we are called to grow in our grace. To grow in grace and likeness in Christ. We are called, as Bill talked about last week, we are still called to good works. And here what we see, and what I love about this chapter, is that we have these two truths held together. We have divine sovereignty, God's plan of salvation secured in Jesus Christ, but at the exact same time, we have this human responsibility. This perseverance of the saints, we are called to make our election sure, is what 2 Peter 1.10 says. And I have, uh, you can see here, I have a very lengthy passage in 1 John. If you'll turn to first, everyone go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Um, and I'm going to read this because I'm kind of skipping around. But what I love about 1 John, well, what I w- love and hate about 1 John, is 1 John gives us this tension of divine sovereignty, human responsibility, and it holds it right next to each other, and it never gives us an answer. It, it, it never resolves the tension. But this is what we hear in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in darkness as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Skip down to 1 John chapter 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. How do we know we are saved savingly? Through the blood of Jesus Christ through faith. And if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, verse 4, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now jump down to verse 18. Children, it is in this last hour, as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists, anyone who confesses in something other than Jesus Christ, they have come. Therefore we know that in this last hour they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would, not, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. He who is a liar... But, sorry, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, 
he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too abide in the Son and in the Father. And the, this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Now jump down to verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, he may, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Now jump to chapter 3, verse 23. And this is his commandment, we, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. What's so hard about this doctrine of perseverance of the saints is that we all know someone who has at one point in their life confessed Christ, who has come into the church, but then somehow has left the church, who has left the faith. And so we have this tension. How do we know, right? How do we know that we can be saved savingly and effectually? Well, what the scriptures teach by having faith in Christ. By believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Through love. By having love for one another. This is what first this is what John is talking about in 1 John. Those who love one another have his commandments and are in him. And through the Spirit. So I'm going to steal a little bit of Justin's thunder that uh, next week he's going to talk on chapter 18 on the assurance of grace and salvation. But I have printed on here Westminster Confession 18, um, paragraph 2. The, certain, the certainty of our salvation is not bare conjecture or probable persuasion grounded upon a fallible hope, but an infallible assurance of faith founded upon the divine truth of the promises of salvation. That's number one. Number two is the inward evidences of the graces which, unto which these promises are made. And number three, the testimony of the spirit of adoption, witnessing to our spirits that we are children of God. Which spirit is the earnest of our inheritance, whereby we are sealed to the day of redemption. How does the Bible make sense of those who have fallen from the faith? Well, I think the, the best parable that we have to express how something like this can happen is found in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel. I want to have you turn to Luke chapter 8. And if you don't know of this parable, it's the parable of the sower. And the sower is going out and planting seeds um, and this is what Luke 8 chapter 4 said or Luke chapter 8 verse 4 When a great crowd had gathered and the people from the town after town came to him he said in a parable A sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot 
and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has an ear, let him hear. Jump down to verse 11, where he gives us the meaning of the parable. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rocks are those, when they heard the word, re received it with joy. They, they heard the gospel. They received it with joy, but they had no root. They believed for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for the ones that fell among the thorns, they were those who hear, but as they go on in their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. People might confess faith, but if they are not planted in the good soil, they will not bear fruit. They will not preserve. This is the tension, right? How do we know if we are seeds from the good fruit or from the good soil? Do you have faith in Christ? Do you believe in the word of the gospel? All right, let's go on to Luke chapter 13. I think this, this actually helps us. Because this is, if you struggle with knowing, how do I know that I am saved? I think Luke 13 um, is a story that all of us need to know. And Luke 13 Verses 22 to 30. Jesus went on his way through the towns and villages, teaching and journeying through Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, who are those who are saved? Oh, sorry, that is not right. Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door, saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know you where or where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. That's our, if you're like me, that's one of our biggest fears. That we will do all of this, have faith, come to church, pray, confess our sins, and at some point in our life, or at the end of our life, we will come to the door, we will knock, and he will say, depart from me, you are workers of evil. So how do we know? How can we be sure of our salvation? Well, the answer actually lies back in Luke 13, verse 3. So just, just same chapter, verse 3 and 5. Verse 3 and 5 are identical. I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise 
perish. How do we know that we will be saved? Believing in the gospel and repenting of our sins. This is the fruit of the gospel. This is the growth that comes from being a good seed. This is what the Old Testament calls calls the fear of the Lord. Knowing who we are in God's sight and knowing by his grace and his mercy, he has called us to new life in Christ. We base our salvation from beginning to end on the promises of God. While at the same time, he calls us to work out our salvation. To make our election sure through holy living. This is what that passage of 1 John was all about. These two things are held in tension together. But at the same time, we hear the words of God's grace. That he is sufficient. It is not dependent upon what we do. But what we do reveals what we truly believe. That's why Peter can say in chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found and result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have, n- have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the promise of the gospel. How can you be sure of your salvation? Do you have faith that God's grace is sufficient for you? That's it. That's the only requirement. Do you see your need for Christ and all of his benefits? Do you understand that you have no hope of salvation outside of the person and the work of Jesus Christ? If you believe those things, you will work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you believe in those things, you will do what the Father commands. If you believe those things to be true, you will change your life. You will persevere. You will go through the fire and come out like precious gold. How do I know this? Well, this is what the confession says. Well, this is what scripture says, but this is what the confession summarizes. Paragraph two. This perseverance of the saints depends not upon their own free will, but upon the immutable the mutability, oh, sorry, sorry, that's not what I have typed for you. I have the, the modern English for you. 
The perseverance of the saints does not depend upon their own free will, but on the unchangeableness, which is the immutability, of the decree of election, flowing from the free and unchangeable love of God on the efficacy of the merit and intercession of Jesus Christ, on the continuing presence of the Spirit and the seed of God within them, and on the nature of the covenant of grace. These are the grounds and the certainty of the infallibility of their perseverance. The perseverance of the saints depends upon the immutability of the decree of election. If you want to know about the decree of election, go read the Westminster Confession, chapter 3. This is what Sean Lucas says about the perseverance of the saints. Because God works salvation at every point, election, atonement, effectual calling, he will certainly bring it to consummation so that we enter into the fullness of eternal life. Our final salvation is in God's hands, just like the rest of our salvation. It rests upon Christ's final work, right? It rests upon, not upon our free will, not our ability to do good works, our salvation rests completely on the unchangeableness of the decree of election, which flows out of the love of God. It depends on the efficacy and merit and intercession of Jesus Christ, his person, his work, his perfect atonement, his raising from the dead, his sitting at the right hand of the Father Almighty and interceding for us. And on the continuing presence of the Spirit and the seed of of God within them and on the nature of the covenant of grace. From Adam's fall into the garden to his consummation, it all depends upon God's covenant of grace revealed in Jesus Christ. These are the grounds of the certainty and infallibility of the church's perseverance until the end. Amen and amen, right? Again, it's based upon the work of the Holy Trinity. He carries us, as he says in the Exodus, on eagles' wings. We can know for certain because God's promises are true for his people. Because God is faithful to his people. In John 10, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they will follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So we have to ask ourselves, do we believe that it's possible for God to predestine us, to elect us, to regenerate us, to call us, to justify us, to sanctify us? And then somehow not save us in the end. This is what Paul says in Romans 8.31. What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will we not also with his gracious give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who, who indeed is interceding for us, who, sh 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of this is founded on the covenant of grace and God's faithfulness to his people. But then we come to paragraph three. Nevertheless, they, true saints, believers in the gospel, through the temptations of Satan and of the world, the prevalency of corruption remaining in them. Sorry, I'm reading from the, confet- the Trinity hymnal and not the printout that I gave you. Nevertheless, they may, through the temptations of Satan and of the world, the pervasiveness of the corruption remaining in them and the neglect of the means by which they are to be preserved, there's that word, both preserved and perseverance, fall into grievous sin and for a time continue in them. In so doing, they incur God's displeasure and grieve his Holy Spirit. Some measure of God's graces and comforts is taken from them. They have their hearts hardened and their, car- their conscience wounded. They harm others and give, and give them occasion to sin and bring temporal judgments upon themselves. Ooh, that's a hard paragraph, right? There's two things I want to spend to, to look at or to, to think about, and then, then I'll be done. I, what I love about paragraph three is it actually gives us true hope that even if we experience those things, God's grace is still enough for us. But the two things I want us to, to, to notice in this first in this paragraph, he, it gives us the answer to how to um, stave off, how, how to keep chapter paragraph three from happening. Did you see it? How do we stay away from grievous sins, from incurring God's displeasure, from grieving the Holy Spirit, from being deprived of his graces and comforts? How do we stay away from hardening our hearts? How do we stay away from our conscience being wounded? How do we stay away from being hurt and scandalizing others, from being temporally judged? What does it say? Anybody? Don't neglect the means. Yep. Don't neglect the means. What God has given his church to persevere, the gospel. The sacraments, the prayer, the fellowship of his people. How do we stay away from these things? We are connected to the church, to the body of Christ. The second thing we we must consider is um, the scriptures give us a very it gives us a very potent picture of the of one who fell away from the Lord even though he ate with the Lord. 
His name was Judas. And also one who ate with the Lord, who said he would never deny the Lord, but then denied the Lord and was cast off. But who was also restored. And his name was Peter. We also see the same thing in the life of Moses. Moses led the people out of the Exodus, and then he didn't have enough faith and he struck the rock. And so he was not able to enter the promised land. And we have someone like David, who in the wrong time made the wrong decision and was deprived of graces. His heart was hardened, and he was scandalized and hurt, bringing temporal judgment on somebody else. But yet we see that God's grace was still sufficient for him. This is why it's hard. This is why it's hard to understand how all of these things work together for our good. And what paragraph 3 exposes to us is that if we are unable to repent of these things, we have to wonder if the, the seed was planted in us with good faith. But what, 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 I all, what I will always say is, do you despise your sin? If you despise your sin, then the Spirit is living inside of you. Because no one who despises sin, despises sin doesn't have the Spirit. I don't know if that made any sense. If you don't care about your sin, you have to question what do you truly believe about God and his salvation? But we can also see ourselves in this situation if we find ourselves in grievous sin. We also know that his grace is still sufficient and we can run back like a prodigal to a father who loves us. Who are we? Through faith. Through faith and beloved and our effectual calling, being sanctified by his spirit, we are sons and daughters of Christ. We are regenerated, called, justified, adopted, sanctified, called to repent from our sins. We are saints, set apart for holiness. And our salvation is sure, it's certain, because of the promise of the gospel we have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, help us resolve this tension. So often we think that our sins are too great for your grace. But Father, humble us. May we see that we are not more powerful than you are. That our sin can somehow outdo your grace offered in Christ. But Father, we also pray, call us to repentance. May we see our sin in our lives and may we shed it in light of the gospel. May we bear our sins together, confess together. May we encourage each other to holiness. 
We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.